Hey guys, and welcome back to The Quiet Life. I'm Michael James Wong. That's me. On today's episode, I'm speaking to Jillian Lavender. She's a meditation teacher, co-founder of the London Meditation Center, and author of the new book coming out, Why Meditate? Because It Works. Uh, It was a wonderful chat with Jillian. We spoke a lot about the practice of meditation, the challenges of starting your practice, and her journey as a teacher kind of starting, uh, you know, so many years ago before it was interesting or topical or a focus as it is now. Uh, She shares a lot of honesty about her challenges starting out what it's like now to be a teacher, and what the future looks like in this space of mindfulness. You know, there's a lot of things happening, whether it's apps and projects and podcasts and books and conversations and audio and production and content. There's a million things right now around this space. And as a teacher who's been teaching for so long, it was really interesting for me to hear Jillian's insights about what it looks like now and what it could look like in the future. And also, making sure that the teachings are taken forward in a meaningful way. You know, it's a really interesting conversation between two meditation teachers who come from at from a very similar place. And so I'm really looking forward to sharing with you guys. And for me, as always, it was a, a really nice opportunity to chat a little bit more in depth about all these quiet practices. So that's the episode today, guys. Uh, looking forward to hearing what you think. And do reach out and connect, as always. And I'm really uh, hope you guys enjoy this episode with Jillian Lavender. Enjoy. Hi guys, and welcome to this week's episode of The Quiet Life. Uh, and as always, for me, really beautiful conversations with people I think are doing wonderful things out there in the world, not just in their work, but who they are and how they show up. And so this week, I'm delighted to be joined by Jillian Lavender, who is an independent teacher of Vedic meditation and co-founder of the London Meditation Center and the New York Meditation Center. And she's passionate about working with individuals to maximize performance and achieve success in all areas of their personal and professional life. She is a teacher for almost 20 years and obviously been practicing much longer herself. And what's most exciting as well, which we'll talk about today, is her new book, Why Meditate? because it works, is coming out on July 8th. And it will be a wonderful way to, to, to dive in, to chat more, and, and to learn more about meditation as a journey and as a practice. Jillian, welcome. How are you, my friend? Oh, thank you. It's so lovely to see you. I'm well, and I'm, I'm really excited for us to have this time together. Oh, well, thank you for being here. And as always, and I say this usually at the top of most shows, you know, I always kind of, we do a little research and digging around to make sure we say all the right things about the work that people do. And and while that's a big part of, of these conversations to ensure that people know that there's really great people and resources out there, it's also really nice for me to start with questions about just Jillian as a human, you know, not what you do, but who you are. And I, we tend to start a lot of our events of who are you, not what you do. So would you mind introducing yourself a little bit? Well, I am a, a woman living in London, although I was born in New Zealand, which is a place that you know well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I grew up in Christchurch, New Zealand, in the South Island, and completed my education there. And then I moved to Sydney, which is, I think, what a lot of Kiwis do. They kind yeah. of go across yeah. the, the water. And I started really my working life in um, in the big smoke of Sydney, Australia. And I had a very sort of corporate marketing background and uh, loved my time in Sydney. And that's actually when I learned to meditate. Uh, and that was sort of when that came into my life. I hadn't really had any exposure to that, didn't grow up in a family where we were particularly, you know, spiritual or religious. Mm-hmm. So that was my first beginnings with that. I then with work moved to Paris and I lived in Paris for a couple of years and then to London and that's so how I got here. Yeah. Um, I've always sort of spent my life moving around a lot. I've had time living in Sweden, time living in the States. I live with my partner, Michael, uh, and our daughter, Loie, who's about to turn eight. 
Um, so we're based in London, and of course, we've been very much based in London over the last yeah. eighteen months. Uh, so yeah, and I, I'm a you know full time teacher, as you say, of Vedic meditation, and that's something that I learned and then decided ah, this is something that I want to share with others. And and so that's a whole story about how that happened. Yeah, and, and that's really wonderful to, to share. And, and I will ask you about that in a little bit as well. I mean, for those of you guys who are, are listening, Julie and I met each other a few years ago in London. And obviously I've known about you and Michael and your guys' work for arguably longer. And, you know, I've always just been a huge admirer of, of how you guys show up in the community and very much here as teachers who support. I think one of the first events that I saw or met you guys at was an event uh, you guys were hosting for Guru Pradama 2017 mm-hmm. or something like that a few years ago. Yeah, I remember that. Um, and, it, you know, it, it's a really special thing to, especially on, on this podcast where we have lots of different conversations to have uh, teachers like yourself as well, you know, because we do have lots of people who maybe come from a clinical background or they come from an artistic background and not to say that, you know, we, we don't have those bows in, in to, to talk about, but also I think there's a, a beautiful rarity of having, you know, teachers like yourself to, to chat to. So uh, where, where I tend to like to start uh, and, and by namesake of, of this show, it's called The Quiet Life. Uh, what does that mean to you at this point in your life? The Quiet Life is for me something that is evocative of a foundation. You know, what is my foundation and my basis that allows me to do what I do and be a mum and be a partner and be in the world and be there for my students. Mm -hmm. And so I have these moments in time in every day of my life where I am very able to be very quiet. And that's where the meditation I think has really has a fundamental part to play in my life. And I think that aspect of it being a, a funding mechanism for everything that I do and what I bring to to my part of the world. So, you know, the quietness that comes from that practice enables me to be dynamic and to be available. And, you know, you touched on it just earlier in your comments. I think the thing that's always motivated me is that, you know, life is for living and we live in you know, a challenging world and a demanding world. And my passion has always been about making this knowledge and these tools and these techniques that you teach and that I teach really available and accessible and practical. Mm. So, yes, there's there's moments of quiet. And I think having, you know, Loie in our life, our daughter, you know, children are a fantastic way to bring you into the present. And I know you talk a little bit about an interaction in your book about being hanging out with a little five-year-old and how you get really pulled into just slowing down and getting into that moment. And I think that's been a wonderful uh, experience, you know, for, for in so many levels, Mm -hmm. that's something that really brings a kind of stop all that noise and that rush and let's just get right down to it. So there's, yeah. there's so many ways that it comes in, but I've, of course, you know, meditation is that foundational bit that's there. Yeah. And I mean, I, I so love that as well, that in many ways where maybe the, the, the thing that you bring up first is family and children and life. And, you know, obviously you know, you've been doing this for a while. I've been doing this for a little while. And actually for me, even, you know, one of the biggest revelations of recent years for me was getting a puppy, right? It wasn't going on a big adventure or doing a big, uh, deep dive into study. It was, I now have a puppy that requires my attention that creates joy or needs joy or needs to eat or needs to go outside. And all of a sudden it's, can you put practice into real life right or can you put practice into practice right exactly I think that's so true you know it's um it's not this sort of place that we're going to get to it's how does it play out in your life you know and Mm -hmm. and how you can actually live that in a way that's not moody and all sort of you know, difficult. It's just relaxed and easy. And uh, I think that natural 
entrepreneurial approach is really what is so um, inspiring for people and, and, you know, what brings that joy, you know, in the day. Mm. And so l- let me ask you this, and I think, you know, the rarity of having someone like you here on this podcast, these conversations, I, I do want to maybe take a little bit of, let's call it an outsider's look in. And so I want to do talk to you. I do want to talk to you a little bit more in depth about meditation, teaching meditation and things like that. But in the first instance, what I'd love to know about you, was this natural for you? Was it like, as I learned, it was easy for me or you know, what was that process to becoming a meditator for you? I think it's a really good question. Uh, and I think it, my answer is a little bit mixed. And I, I hinted at it before, you mm. know, I was not the obvious candidate for meditation in the sense that yeah, yeah. I was a bit of a stress bag. You know, I was working hard. I was in my 20s. I was playing hard. I was feeling a bit tired and frazzled and overwhelmed with my life, to be honest. And you would have looked from the outside in and thought, geez, you know, this person is not a meditation person. And it was interesting because the way that I came to it was through somebody who I knew and who I admired. And this person also was not somebody who, you know, this was a man in his 70s. He had Mm -hmm. retired, been very successful in business been an insomniac all his life, tried all sorts of things, then learned to meditate and started sleeping. And I was like, whoa. So I didn't, I didn't have that sort of smooth sort of entry. I came from a, a came to it with from a place of being quite, you know, wound up. Mm. When I learned the technique, I could do it. And that was, I think, maybe a little bit of a oh, well, this is actually easy. I do think I went through a process of kind of catching myself. Wow, am I doing this right? You know, it was so easy. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I didn't have anybody in my sort of event horizon who was meditating. You know, it was sort of me, like this electron spinning out on my own, you know, Mm -hmm. in my own orbit. And so I had this thing that I did, but I didn't really have anybody to share it with. And, you know, I know that you have done so much work in regards to community. And it's something that we do with our meditators. I didn't really have that. I had access to my teacher, Yeah, but that was also something. And, you know, we're going back in time, you know, I'm. I was going to say, this is a different, I mean, mean, even if this was two years ago, it's a different thing, right? Even if this was five years ago, this is a different thing. And obviously you're going back a little bit further and, you know, to, to step into that space by ourselves is a big thing. And then to, to be brave enough to keep going by ourselves for a, a, a little while is a big thing. Yeah. And you know, it was weird. Meditation was weird then, you know, yeah. it was like, and I, that was one of my stumbling blocks of yeah. getting into it. I thought, oh, geez, this is going to be just all brown rice and sandals. You know, that's mm-hmm. not me. I don't, I'm not into that. I don't want any of the woo woo, you know? So when I found out about the science and about, and I could look around the room and think, wow, these are people like me doing this. Yeah. You know, there are professionals here. There are people, mum with three kids, you know, a, a university student, just this whole range of people that I could relate to. Yeah. That helped. And then I think the big thing, Michael, was that when I did it, something happened. I noticed changes, you know, mm. and in our society, you know, it's a little bit of that sort of, gratification for you know time absolutely yeah do something and you see an effect and I was noticing that connection between cause and effect quite early on and I think that helped Mm. sustain me because you know it's much harder to do something every day if it's difficult and unenjoyable and oh yeah you know so this was easy and I could fit it in and I could do it on the plane and I could, you know, fit it in. So, and I noticed these Mm. really big changes in my life relatively quickly. And I would say other people, this is the interesting bit, were also noticing that something was going on. So I had that kind of feedback loop that other people were like, you seem a bit calmer, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I have funny story as well, because I mean, that's something that, that I think is really valuable to point out. And I think it's something I, I, for some, I mean, in my mind, it's me remembering that you had said this somewhere along the way where I was in an event or something. And it was, you know, it's that sense of the practice serves us so well, but it's, you know, it's the friend or the partner or the kid that goes, Hey, you're just a little less annoyed today. 
you're a little bit nicer than you were yesterday. And there's a lot of profound truth in that, isn't there? Absolutely. I had one of my students, you know, she she said, you know, that her 10-year-old came to her, said, um, Mommy, I, have you not meditated this morning? You know, I think you need to meditate because this child had worked out that when Mummy meditates, she's nicer and a little bit less shouty. And, you know, I think because isn't that what life is all about? You know, it's being available for those connections and those relationships and and what is it that we bring to it? And if we bring, like I used to be, bringing a lot of neediness and a lot of tension and a lot of mm, self-doubt and a, yeah. a lot of stress, then that's not so enjoyable. For, and it doesn't yeah. add anything really of valuable value for the relationship. Yeah. And, and I think that's so true. And I, also what I appreciate is the honesty of your backstory in that sense of how it all started, because I think a lot of times meditation teachers, especially, you know, and you can put in other categories of like, you know, yoga teachers and therapists and all kind of, where you get painted with this brush of perfection of like, oh, well, it just must be your life must have always been like this, you know, and, and to have those kind of stories from, from people like yourself of, of, of this level and depth and caliber of a teacher to say, actually, I wasn't like that when I started. It was a bit challenging. I was a bit stressed. Things were a bit different, you know, gives us that sense of humanizing these practices because that's ultimately the, the the value and and how we kind of show ourselves within it that this embodiment of look I can just look I'm the example, and it's not just I'm telling you things I've heard of right. Absolutely, that's beautiful. I think makes it accessible, and it's very interesting. You know, we talked a moment ago about how the landscape of the meditation world has changed so yeah. much, and it's much bigger and more, you know, available and in the mainstream. And yet people still have, I think, a lot of uncertainty about their own ability to actually do this. And so many people will come to me and they've tried something and maybe it didn't quite stick. And they have this concern that, oh, well, maybe I'm not going to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, my mind is really busy. You know, it yeah. might be good for everybody else, but you don't know my mind, you know. Yeah, I'm the exception. Oh, yeah. this is not going to work. I'm the broken one. Somebody puts their hand up in an introductory talk and says, um, excuse me, have you ever had anybody that this doesn't work for, you know, and you know that they're not the only one in the room yeah. that's thinking that. Yeah, of course. And you kind of go, yeah, probably the person next to you and the person on the other side of you are thinking the same <laughs> thing, right? which is why you're here. So, I mean, let's do this because I think it will probably help uh, frame up the, the rest of our, our conversation. You have a new book coming out. Why meditate? Because it works. Wonderful title. Thank you. Before I ask you about the book, what was that journey and process like of actually creating this thing? Well, you know, it's been, um, you know, bumping around there in my consciousness for a while, I have to say. I had the idea years ago and, you know, just an idea that didn't really kind of get to the point of happening mm -hmm. for at least 10 years, if I'm really honest. You know, I had a baby and other stuff happened and our, our teaching work took off. And yeah. I think in some ways, actually, you know, I've written this book 10 years ago when I was a less experienced and less developed on that journey. I think, you know, this is this is, was a better time to do it. So, yeah, that was good. I wrote it in lockdown, which I guess was sort of an enforced, you know, slowing down and quiet yeah. and able to focus so that just seemed to be the right moment. And I found it to be, I was talking about this with my partner, Michael, a, a really interesting experience of, I just felt like it just, it just sort of came out, you know, it was a really, you know, you hear that so often that mm -hmm. people talk about being a channel for that creativity. Yeah, I was able to experience that on some level and, uh, so that was pretty smooth. I'd, I'd been, you know, the publishers had come and said, look, what about writing a book? And I was like, well, I've actually been wanting to do that for a long time. So, yeah, the timing was right, you know, and it, the, the motivation to do it was really to address what I see going on in the world of meditation right now. Yeah. And so what, what would we find inside of it? 
This is a book that is unlike any, most other meditation books, I would say, where you would pick up the book and there would be the promise of learning a technique Mm -hmm. as a result of reading the book. This is, my book is not a how-to not going to read the book and learn how to meditate. Right. Okay. This is a why do. Why are you going to sit down with your eyes closed every day? And what we need to get clear about, because we're in this, this world where meditation is much more accessible. We have apps. We can be guided through something on YouTube. It's out there and it's much more available. The question then is, well, with that comes a bit of confusion. You know, what is meditation? How is it different yeah. from mindfulness? Da di da di da. And so, my book is about debunking many of those misconceptions about what meditation is. Like, oh, you know, it's difficult. I'm not going to be able to stop the thoughts, kind of thing, which mm-hmm. is very common. And getting clear about what we mean by meditation, because there is a lot of misunderstanding around that. And then 10 reasons why meditate. And they range from reducing your stress to improving your sleep, to being more creative, to having improvements in terms of your relationships, slowing down the aging process, you know, Mm -hmm. the the high notes of why meditation is so valuable. And you mentioned obviously debunking a few myths and really kind of clarifying a few big points around it. I mean, if I was to ask you to pull out, you know, kind of what, what's a, what's a big one that probably you, you see or hear quite often. In addition to the one that we we touched on, yep. you know, I I don't think I'll be able to do it. Meditation mm-hmm. is hard. I have to focus my mind and clear yep. the thoughts. There's that. There's a biggie, and I think I don't have time to meditate you know, and, and that's always sort of shining a light on the sustainability of somebody's lifestyle. You know, if they don't have time to take that moment and pause and rest in a very profound way, then it suggests that something's off, something's out of balance and it's got sort of unsustainability written all over it. So this idea that I, you know, I'm not going to be able to do it. I don't have time. And maybe there's also this idea that, well, that's for certain types of people, you know, yeah. I've got to be vegetarian or I have to give up coffee or I have to, you know, start having kale juice or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And realizing, well, actually, you know, there's no yeah. belief system, you know, there's no philosophy. This is simple and easy. And all you need to do is get your bum in a chair and close the eyes and do that, you know, every day. Anyone can do it. That's That sounds like a great T-shirt right there. Get your bum in a chair <laughs> and you can do it. I mean, what I love about that, what I love about you and Michael as well, just that, you know, there, there's this huge wealth and depth uh, of wisdom and knowledge. And I know if, you know, if this was, let's say, a university course or, you know, standing in front of a higher council, there's a lot more, you know, there's a lot more maybe specifics that we can go into. But I think you and I are very similar in that sense of it's actually how do we meet people where they are, but in a way that inspires, creates connection, and actually it make, allows them to see themselves in the opportunity as opposed to making them feel bad for not doing, right? And what I, and what I loved what, about what you said, and it's actually very similar to something that, that I, I talk about quite often, is that we're in the business of sustainability, right? We're sustainability teachers. We're helping people to actually create longevity, but even more self-sustainability, right? And I think maybe one of the greatest gifts that we have as teachers and hopefully one of the greatest maybe dedications or service that we provide as teachers is not needing to say, you well, you have to find me if you need the good stuff, right? Like we're, we're not the drug dealers of peace and quiet, right? And I think sometimes there there can be a myth about that sense because in some ways we can see that culturally of like, you have a therapist, you have a doctor. It's like, that's where I get my stuff from. Yeah. And I think where, where you do it so well, and a lot of people within our community do it so well is the advocacy of self-sustainability. Could you, could you talk Absolutely. to me about that? Absolutely. I think it's a really, really good point. You know, I want people to be self-sufficient. I don't want them to be Jillian dependent. I don't want them to be dependent on a piece of technology. I want them to have knowledge and a technique that they have with 
them for the rest of their life and they can practice it every day. So when they take a course in Vedic meditation and it's, you know, two hours uh, every day for four days in a row, at the end of those four days, they know how to meditate. They have a tool for life. And Yes, there's a lot of support and there's a lot of opportunities for hand-holding on that journey because our experiences are changing so much and our consciousness is expanding. And yet, you know, I want my students to know what they're doing and to have a self-referral experience, be able to dive in and touch that least excited state of consciousness and to not be needy of me and to not you know, I'm offering up knowledge that I want to be able to facilitate that independence in people so that they can go off and live their life and and do their thing. So that's a really very important part. And it's interesting, you know, often people will come to me and they've been on some program of maybe talk therapy or Mm -hmm. in some relationship with some healer or um, advisor for some time and they, you know, are on a 12-step program, whatever, and they they learn to meditate. And what I see in them in the building of that self-sufficiency is a readiness and a capability to start to graduate from some of these programs in a way that's gentle and in a way that is balanced so that they have that realization that, they can do it, you know, they are it uh, ultimately. Um, so I think it's a really important point that you're raising. Mm. But and, and I think it is such a, a valuable conversation piece because, you know, there's a lot of things in our lives which are societally ingrained within us, right? We need to win at this. We need to be successful at this. This is how life goes. But also in that same sense of societal upbringing, we have this element that we tend to forget as we get older, which is this sense of graduation or maturation, right? We go through school to graduate, but as you get past that point of, you know, college, university, or high school years, there's no more sense of graduation. There's no more sense of you've done the work, now take the work and go expand it. We then switch to this model of, okay, well, I need to be successful and I need to win and I need to have return and I need to have um, mm-hmm. achievement. And and the model almost switches in a very strange way where meditation, these techniques, maybe give us a little bit of that return or remembrance to actually the essential nature of how we grow as human beings and as as how we raise children and these kind of things. Yes, and I think it it speaks to the time that we're in, which is very celebrity dominant. It is very acquisition oriented. And so the whole essence of getting knowledge and, and, and happiness is through acquiring and having these experiences and having those digits in the bank account and the nice groovy architecture Mm -hmm. and all the stuff that our life is sort of can be set up to, to, to say, well, this is a definition of happiness and success. And in fact, what we find is that that quality of wisdom is, is something that is not out there and that quality of fulfillment and true stable happiness yeah. is not an acquisition um, oriented phenomenon it's it's something that is here and I meet many people in my work who have become very successful mm-hmm. in acquiring and you know having all sorts of interesting experiences and things in their life and yet they're kind of miserable and there's a there's something missing and so having these practices that allow us to recognize what is already there you know this is what recognize means to recognize the essence of who we are you know someone will say to me well is meditation a spiritual practice and I, I write about this in the book because, it, you know, that term is quite a loaded term. Spiritual, yeah. they often think, oh, this means mm-hmm. religion. This is a philosophy. And I, I talk about it in the terms of, well, what is your spirit? You know, your, your essence. Mm-hmm. Well, that is your consciousness. And meditation is a technique which is about accessing that pure, inner, serene, least excited state of consciousness in those terms 
yes, it's a spiritual practice, not in terms of any dogma or yeah. you know religion or anything like that. So, yeah, there's so many layers to this in terms of how we have how we use these terms and these words and, and what we see modelled out there and what mm. society rewards. You know, um, absolutely. And I think, I mean, I, I'm completely with you on that and support all of that because it, it very much is that sense of their finding, you know, finding that sense of connection, you know, that sense of uh, remembrance within us. And and I think what's nice about, uh, or at least the way that I observe, the way that you kind of navigate the world of, of, of meditation in our community. And obviously with the new book, you know, that's, let's call it a, a great resource, a great support tool. And, and obviously you have a lot of your courses, your meditation centers, your talks, content, all these kind of things, you know, th- there's obviously been a big upswing of people finding this stuff interesting, important, right? It's a bit like five years ago or 10 years ago when you had the first, you know, few lines or scratches of your book, while maybe writing it then would have been a different time, maybe would people even pick it up then or find it interesting, right? And so there's this been big momentum swing and let's call it the last 10 years of people went green juice, you know, (laughs) vegan, yoga. Now we're essentially become into this huge swell of awareness around meditation. Being someone who was essentially there long before it all kind of kicked off and kind of was like, guys, I've been here the whole time. What's that landscape look like for you now? What have, what are you liking, not liking, or what is it that you have just seen as impactful? Yes, I'm so, you know, I remember like so clearly it was maybe like eight or nine years ago, walking down the street, seeing a guy in a suit with a yoga mat, you know, over his back mm-hmm. to a class. And I was like, whoa, you know, LA, here we come. You know, this was in the, in, LA, in London, yeah. you know, and it was, you can just see these, these, these milestones. I think it's great that, and I think it's not surprising, you know, the need of the time, you know, is calling for this, you know, mm-hmm. and if what we've, the lesson that we're getting from our, from the higher self or the, the, the universe and nature over these last 18 months is back to that word unsustainable, you know, something's got to give. And it's like mother nature's sort of sending everybody to their room for a bit of a timeout, you know, yep. Hey folks, let's just, you know, put a bit of attention on some things that actually matter and are going to make a difference. And so I think there, this is happening collectively, and I think it's it's fantastic. I think any time, any time somebody puts their phone down and sits there and closes their eyes or even just looks out the window and connects with where they are and how they feel and what's going on in their body, as simple as that can be for a few seconds, that is progress and that is fantastic. And there are many sort of stepping stones on that journey. And so learning Vedic meditation might be way down on on that, but there are many ways to get there. And I, I think it's all fantastic. I think it's all understandable in the sense of what's going on in the world. I think it does bring about some sloppiness mm-hmm. and some confusion and some dilution and some kind of cutting corners. Sure. And, you know, you know me and you know that, you know, this knowledge, whilst it's timeless, it does take, we need to take care. You know, we need to, we don't want to be sloppy with this because, you know, preserving that knowledge in this environment, in this age of, uh, that we're in, we want to, we want to hold that up and do that well. Um, and so I'm I'm very clear about that in terms of my role. I'm, I'm not going to sort of uh, cut corners, even when we might say, oh, you know, here's a world that, you know, we need to do this in different ways. Yeah. I, I know that maintaining the purity and the integrity of that is really important. And I think there are many things that we can be doing and I think it's all great. And that's why I love these conversations because we all bring our different 
fits to that journey. Yeah. I mean, and let me ask you this question, uh, teacher to teacher. And this is something that I, I mean, in all honesty, I've been struggling with as well over the past, I'm going to say year or so is, is this aspect of sloppiness or cutting corners or just this sense of it becoming cool. There I say, mm-hmm. you know, where meditation has become almost like open territory for anyone to say that, that they, teach, lead, speak, share, because there is a simplicity to it and there's an elegance to it. And obviously there's an aspect of delivery to it. And so you see that there is, you know, celebrities guiding meditations and you see that there's um, people who are offering them as adjuncts to their other healing practices and these kind of things. And, and, and if I was to speak first and say, you know, there's an aspect of me that it, it rubs me and go, well, actually what's, what's behind that? Is it opportunist or is it about creating more access? I just wanted to know what your thoughts were about that. Yes, I I absolutely um, hear what you're saying and I, I witness it too. And particularly in our space, I think, you know, there are, you know, meditation teachers popping up left, right and centre and that was part of the thinking behind the book. You know, well, wait a minute, what, what is this meditation that we're talking about? What does that actually mean? I think it's, I think it is something that is in many ways not surprising given the age that we're in mm-hmm. where there is this desire for, uh, for quick fixes, there is this sort of looking to others and celebrity. We live in a celebrity age, Mm -hmm. um, that sort of aspirational thing. It's very, you know, what are the other groovy people doing? Sure. Um, I think it will sort of wash out in in a way. I think the, the watch out with all of this for me is that often, you know, I can sense that people sometimes have an experience of something which I would say is suboptimal. And they yeah. say, well, I tried meditation and it, because it was a suboptimal experience, they then think, oh, well, I tried that. It wasn't for me or I'm not able to do it or, you know, that's for other people. And they come away from that having had a very genuine desire seeking something that was worthy and because of the experience that they had they then think all right I've ticked that box okay done not for me Mm -hmm. and they move away from it and when actually it was not them it was a function of of what they were doing so I think that's a watch out um I mean I always talk about it it's a bit like it's like the myth of Brussels sprouts Right. It's a bit like, well, I don't like Brussels sprouts. I've had them once. And it's a bit like, we've actually never had a, a, a chef, a real chef <laughs> serve them up to you in the way that brings out the right flavor or shows you the depth. Right. Absolutely. I love that. You know, and I think it's, um, that's when I feel it, you know, I'm like, Oh, I just want to take that person. And say, no, no, no. You can do this. You Come know? over here. Yeah. Yeah. And I think ultimately if that spark of, of desire and that searching and that sense of, um, and I see this a lot these days, you know, they've tried something, but they recognize, well, it wasn't quite that, but there's something there. I do think, you know, how we are role modeling this and yeah. is, is important given all of the poor role modeling that is going on. And that's where that integrity and that collaboration and that kindness mm-hmm. and that, really doing it well and with care and with integrity is will be the thing that sees us through that. And those other things will sort of drop away. It's not surprising and it will continue. It will continue for sure. And I think all that does is it makes me more resolute in doing what I do the way I do it because mm-hmm. all that will sort of drop to the bottom and the, you know, then people have more clarity about what's on offer. And I, I think that's a really, you know, thank you for sharing that. And it's a really honest way to look. Hey guys, take a moment to download the new and expanded Just Breathe app. Our simple and easy to use app with guided meditations, breathing practices, sleep sounds, music meditations, and more. And it's created specifically to calm the body and quiet the mind. 
The Just Breathe app makes it easy to create a daily meditation habit with a new eight minute practice each and every day and a large library of meditations where you can revisit your favorite practices or discover new ones. The Just Breathe app is our way of continuing to support our growing community as a resource for anyone and everyone ready to step into a quieter conversation. As a listener of The Quiet Life, we've got something special for you guys. Now, if this is your first time trying out the app, use the code THEQUIETLIFE to receive a 30-day all-access free trial to the app. This is our little way of saying thank you for being a part of our Just Breathe community. And so if you head to the show notes, you'll find more details and how to download the app. And it's available on all iPhones and Android devices and a great way to start your daily practice. Remember, all you need to do is close your eyes, be still, and just breathe. There are a lot of teachers uh, that, that do listen to this podcast, whether they are of, uh, of healers, sound practitioners, yoga teacher, all kinds of different teachers across different disciplines, fitness, wellness, whatever it is. And so, you know, we can, we can look to people like yourself and go, well, how do I find the line between being collaborative and supportive and celebrating the expansion and awareness, but also this, this human inkling within me that says, just stop doing that. Just stop doing that. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, how do you find that line? Yeah, it's a, I think it's a fine balancing point. You know, I think it's, it's about tuning into something that you touched on before, you know, the, the conscious receptivity of the people that you're dealing with, you know, and so I really try to, to be very aware of, what it is that people are bringing to to all of this work. And I think there's some fantastic people and they come to it with such a genuine desire to help them. And very often what you'll notice about those people, there's a consistent theme in that it's not all about them. Mm. You know, it's not the, oh, it's not the Jillian show, you know, it's, hey, I've got something really valuable here and I want to share this with you. And I know how to do that. And I know how to do it well. And I will I will really be there with you on this. Um, I think when you start hearing people trying to make it more about them, it's always a bit of a like, oh, okay, there's a little bit of a watch out for me because I know then what's going on. I know the d- dynamics. And I think those people that are, are not handling it that way, that are really coming from a place of genuine desire to bring something worthy to others and valuable to others and share that start those people start to sort of shine through all of that other stuff and there are many of them mm. so i think you've got to really pay attention actually uh and and there will be many opportunities to sort of be pulled into the cutting corners and doing this and and you've got to sort of resist that and that might mean that you've got less followers on instagram or it might mean that you've got you actually are, it will come, you know, the expansion will come, do what you do and do it well. And that truth of that's coming through and that your work will, will spread. So, you know, I've been a meditation teacher for 20 something years and I've been doing my thing and just getting on with it. And I've seen other people come in and it's all wham, bam, and, you know, flashing lights and they've got, and yet there's a lot there that I find perhaps not as fundamentally strong and yeah. correct. I guess what's the best things to take forward then from this? Pay attention. Pay attention. You know, don't buy into the hypnosis of social conditioning because there is a hypnosis of social conditioning and it's very deeply ingrained. And at the end of the day, you know, we need to have the tools which allow us to trust our own inner voice. And somebody on an interview recently asked me, you know, what's the biggest thing that you've gained from meditation? And gosh, you know, it's changed my life. I'm now, I teach it. It's, you know, so entwined in everything I do. And it's, so you can say, well, you know, I'm healthier and I'm da-da-da. But actually the biggest thing for me has been that ability to, to really hear and trust my own fine level of feeling, my inner voice of wisdom and, you know, cut through all the noise and all of the things that kind of pull us in opposite directions. And 
might be socially acceptable, but actually go against what you feel is right for you in that moment. And I think we, you know, have those tools in your life that allow you to be able to find that quiet place that you so rightly talk about that allows for you to hear that and tune into that voice. And it takes work. That's a process, you know, it's like a muscle. We've got to work that and uh, recognize that we might sort of have blips along the way. Uh, but that, yeah, pay attention. Don't just sort of, you know, assume that it's all, it's okay to, to go against what perhaps the masses are doing. And, and it's important to have those moments to be able to get quiet and tune in. Mm, it's a beautiful way of putting it. I mean, th- there is a world of things to say about why meditation is, is valuable. Uh, and obviously, many of them will be in, in your new book. And the rest of them will be when when people spend time with you and Michael and and dive into this, you know, this, this wider community of meditation and the value of it. I, I think one of the greatest things about where we are now in society or in culture is that it, it is destigmatized, it's popularized, it's created sense of community and conversation. And so now it's really in that sense of, let's call it supply and demand, right? There's a huge demand for it and the supply is just as large, but it's really like like all things in life, find the things that serve the most meaning and value and support and have the integrity to ensure that it's really about you know, the, the, the person at the other end, right. The, the, the human that's there, let's say buying the product, asking for the help, looking for the answers, asking the questions, because from, from the point that I always tend to make is, you know, as, as meditation teachers or teachers of any discipline, we are fundamentally in the service industry, right? We're hospitality. We're here to help support and ensure that other people's experiences, the human experience is you know enjoyed you know absolutely you know I I absolutely agree you know and I encourage people to do your research you know come along to one of our intro talks and listen to us speak about this you know I promise you won't be bored you'll learn or or read a book via another teacher go and you know attend some event even if it's remotely on zoom you know do your research and find what resonates for you and and it is a journey and um yeah you know talk to the people around you and get a sense of what's out there it's so important that we start to honor that desire that might be bubbling away that sense that actually there is more to my life than this there's some thing that I can be uh, experiencing that is more in alignment with what I, my highest ideals and and sense that I'm going to reach my potential. I am living my potential. And I think, you know, trust that feeling. And it's, it's like the, you know, the princess and the pea, you know, you can add another distraction, another mattress, another thing, you know, on top, but actually it's still there and you've got to, you've got to tune into that and, and follow it and investigate. Mm, that's a lovely metaphor. I mean, that, that is so true that we, we spend a lot of our lives putting things on top, sweeping things in cupboards, putting band-aids on things. And actually at the end of the day, no matter how much cushiness or luxury we put on top of things, the pea is still there and yeah. you got to go down and, 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 you know, go down and get it. Yeah, you know, when the time is right, when it feels, you know, sometimes I'll have someone come to me, you know, I had a woman recently, she was 78. She's like, oh, God, I wish I'd done this years ago. I'm like, it's okay. You know, we all come to this at the right time. We all find those things and it's just a matter of, you know, staying alert and keep going. Don't stop. Don't sit there and wait for it to come to you. One step at a time. Keep Keep moving in those gentle steps and follow that which feels charming. And, you know, we'll, everything that's happened to us is relevant to who we are today and everything that's happening is, it's all fine. So we just need to relax and, and move forward. Beautiful. 
Jillian, thank you so much for sharing with us some of your time and your wisdom today. It is always such a pleasure to to see you, to chat to you, to to follow all the stuff that you're up to. And I can say this very truly from from my own personal point of view. You know, I always look out uh, for inspiration and kind of think, you know, wow, um, you know, how can I continue to, to, to do this type of work and always look fondly towards what you guys are doing as a way to really inspire all of us in the communities here, not just in the UK, but globally. Well, I, I so appreciate you, Michael, and all of the, the work that you have done and continue to do. And it's, it really speaks to that point of, um, bringing together integrity and knowledge and experience with the heart and it's just a wonderful combination and I just look forward to more time together and more collaborations and I'm really excited um, as we move forward. Wonderful stuff. Well, thank you so much again. And and of course, for everyone listening, we will put lots of notes about Jillian, London Meditation Center, New York Meditation Center, the new book, Why Meditate Because It Works in the show notes. But Jillian, is there best places for people to find you or connect with you? Uh, There's two places, really. There's JillianLavender.com, which is my new site where people can see what talks I'm doing. There's quite a bit going on at the moment in the book and all of that. And then there's London Meditation Center. (laughs) be a great way to to connect with us as well beautiful well you guys heard it here there's lots of ways to connect and reach out you know obviously both julie and i are huge advocates of the practice and finding your way into a curious state of knowing more about these deeper practices as always guys thanks for listening in on this episode and all the episodes remember you can always go back and listen to to the ones from past weeks or you can come back to this one and listen to it as many times as you want Uh, As always, please follow and check out all the things we're up to at Just Breathe on the website, on social, and all those kind of places you would normally find out more about uh, the podcast. And as always, guys, be well, stay safe, and we will see you next time on The Quiet Life. Thanks for listening to The Quiet Life. Join us each week as we dive into more conversations just like this, or listen back to the many inspiring and insightful conversations we've had on past episodes. You can follow me, your host, at Michael James Wong, and follow the team at Just Breathe or visit the website at www.justbreatheproject.com to find out more about mindfulness in the real world. The Quiet Life is produced and edited by Avery Putterman. Our creative director is Nikki Priest. Rate and review the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And we'll see you next time on The Quiet Life. 